Now, I'm Lauren. My name is Chris Davis. My name is Shannon Pickering. And I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. My name is Chris Davis, and I'm ready to testify. My name is Chris Davis. I'm 42 years old, about to be 43. I have a wife named Whitney. I have a beautiful daughter named Harley. She's 15, about to be 16, and a great son named Daniel, and he is six years old. I was a type of person, I, I drank a lot. Um, I experimented with a lot of different drugs, heroin, cocaine, methamphetamines. Um, I slept with a lot of girls. Um, I was extremely violent, and I ended up serving 13 and a half years in the penitentiary. Yeah, I think it was a, a whole lot of circumstances that led up to it. Well, my little sister, she uh, got diagnosed with cancer and had passed away a little bit about two years after I'd met her. And at that point is when my anger started getting the best of me. You know, everything that I'd pushed down was coming up. I remember the first, the first fight I got into, it felt good because I could finally control something, you know. So my level of drug use, drinking, and violence throughout the years just increased because I could control that. And honestly, it made me feel good. You know, when it got to, I was kind of a, a small guy, so <laughs> when it got to the point to where I couldn't win fights, then I had no problem picking up weapons and had no problem hurting people. By the time I was 15 or 16, I already had three stabbings. I'd already stabbed three different individuals and uh, was on probation for it. And this is by the time I was 17, I'd stabbed three individuals. Um, I'd, I shot one in, in Breckenridge. It was just the, the level of violence had just, it would just escalate. And it all came to a head when I took that man's life. The process of, of leading up to the murder was, um, around this time I was, like I said, I was strung out on meth and to, to feed my habit, I got into the, um, I started robbing dope dealers at gunpoint is how I was you know, uh, taking care of my habit. And there was a guy in Lovington that was a, uh, a well-known drug dealer and he had reached out to me through someone else that he wanted to, to talk to me. And the point was, was he wanted to go into business with me rather than me ended up robbing him 
because that was probably where it was going to eventually lead to. And so I went to meet him, and his proposal was that I would collect outstanding drug debts for him rather than rob him. We did, of course, he didn't bring up well, instead of robbing me, but he just, you know, gave me that proposition to start, you know, collecting the, the debts for him that was owed. So that weekend I met him. I met him on 4th of July weekend, and we were, he was taking me out in the field, showing me some old abandoned wells where I could put stuff that if things got out of hand or anything like that. And on my way back to Hobbs, I had a friend with me, and he told me something about that guy. And I'm not going to go into detail about what he told me because, to be honest, I don't know if it's true or not. But it was enough for me. If it wasn't true, I wanted it to be true because I really didn't like him anyway. So for an entire week, all I could think about was taking his life. And a week later, I'd gotten a ride up to Lovington and I took his life. My mindset right after taking his life was, in the moment, I had released years and years of pent-up anger and sadness and every negative feeling that I had, I released it at that moment. And I had felt the most peace I'd ever felt in my entire life after that. It's because everything that I had pent up was gone. I was able to, to release it. And it was that way for about three days of just feeling at peace, getting the best sleep that I've ever gotten, just no stress, no nothing. But pretty quick, all of it came rushing back. And my actual plan was the night that I got arrested, they came and picked me up, was my plan was to commit another murder the following day. And the night before, they had raided my mom's house and arrested me and took me to jail for an unrelated charge. But they had pretty much knew that I was the one responsible for the murder, so they used that to come get me. So I ended up getting sentenced to 19 years in prison. While I was there, I didn't want to have anything else to do with, with God or Christians. Uh, I had not only didn't want anything to do with them, but I made them my enemies. I would, I got into Satanism and I would just, 
I knew the Bible really well, so I would I would use it and twist it and just constantly argue with Christians and and people that would even think about turning towards Jesus Christ. I would just take scripture out of context and just mess with them about it to the point they would just leave it alone or have them reading the books I'm reading and saying the things I'm saying. It was just a, a, that was just my mission. I couldn't stand them. There was a point in time in 2013 that I'd gotten a letter and it was a, a someone that had seen my picture and on my mom's desk she saw my picture and got my address and wrote me and I started writing her back within pretty quick we uh, she sent her a visitation form and I went to see her for the first time and she had a she had a six-year-old daughter and I think I've always had a real soft spot soft spot in my heart for young girls because of my sister you know that just the she was the the first person that loved me and didn't want nothing from me right so it was really cool that that she came with her and eventually I ended up marrying this woman while we was while I was in prison. We did the we took our vows over the phone. I was on the I was on the phone and she was in Seminole at the courthouse and we got married and she would come to visit every every weekend and she would bring Harley with her and Harley would spend the weekends with me on my lap playing cards and it was just a really good time. And uh I remember this one time, I was on the phone with my wife, and she says that Harley has a friend that is inviting her to church, and she wants to go to church. Can she go? And I was like, no, absolutely not. And, you know, the reasons is, is because I didn't like Christians. I felt that church changed people, and my mindset at that time is they didn't change them for the best. So I was just, no, Whitney was fine with that. And, you know, a couple of weeks later, we're sitting in the visitation room. She's on my lap. And we're not even talking about church. This hadn't even been a, a conversation anymore. And I, God spoke to me and he told me, you can't keep her from me. And so I just stopped everything we was doing, and I was like, hey, you can take her to church. That was the extent of it. I didn't I didn't tell her at that time, hey, I just heard God. You know, I just told her, like, hey, she can go to church. I didn't completely turn around at that point, but I quit practicing Satanism. I quit um, those moments with Christians where I would just attack them. I'm not, not talking physically, just verbally. Um, 
he was more real to me then than he had ever been. After that took place in the visitation room, there was a couple of different things that, that took place. I, I had a, I got moved in with a cellmate that was a Christian. And at this point, I was no longer bashing Christians. You know, God spoke to me and I wasn't about to start, you know, bashing him anymore. I still wasn't following him. Um, I had started getting the desire to read my Bible again. And so I would periodically read it. And, but when I, when I moved in with him, it was still, everyone in the penitentiary understood me to be a Satanist. So I move in with him and he says, remember you telling me, you don't like living with me, do you? And I was like, no, nah, man, you're, you're cool. And he'd be like, well, thank you, Jesus. You know, and I'd be like, man, this, this dude, you know, this freaking dude. And, uh, but when you, when you're cellmates with somebody and you get along, you, you share everything, you're, you get real close. And, uh, his mom had passed away while he was in there. And the pod I was in, there was a lot of Christians and they all wanted to take George into the cell and, and pray with him. And they asked me. Hey, Chris, you want to come in and pray with us? And at this point, I was like, you know, he's my friend. I'm going to support him, and yeah, I'll go in there and pray. And we went in there and prayed, and I felt that uh, that warmth again during the prayer, you know? And it was just... So that was another step of God just telling me, like, hey, I'm here, you know? And... uh I ended up getting moved to a minimum restrict prison. And I got to this prison, it was over in Roswell. They had a a pod called a, a crossings pod. And it was a, a Christian drug rehabilitation type program. And everybody that's supposed to be in this pod is supposed to be, you know, following God. And to be honest with you, I had quit using drugs for Quite a few years since 2010, I'd quit using drugs, and I in Roswell it was an open dorm where we're talking about about 50 inmates in an open dorm doing drugs and loud, and I just I wasn't I was irritated with that, you know. I wanted to get my sleep at night. And, be on my routine and it was just coming from a in a, a penitentiary for 11 years to where I had a solid routine and quiet and you know going to that it was it was a madhouse and I ended up moving into the God's pod honestly just to just to uh, <laughs> escape the the madness of the dorms and when I went in there I actually started praying again and reading the Bible again and just, that's when I, I made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. At this point in time, my, my wife had started going to church with 
uh, with Harley also, and God ended up setting her free from a 13-year cocaine addiction. So he was uh, God was doing a lot of miracles in our life, even when I was in prison. I think us coming together at the perfect time. You know, there's perfect storms for stuff, for chaos, and but this was the perfect storm for all of us. You know, Harley was six years old without a dad in her life. Whitney is a, a single mom with an addiction. I'm in the penitentiary. I didn't have anybody. They didn't have anybody. And, you know, God said, well, I'm gonna go ahead and put y'all together. I mean, if you, if you just think about the circumstances, I'm in prison for murder. She's on cocaine. We got an innocent six-year-old girl, right? So this mom that's on cocaine is gonna marry this murderer, right? And then when he gets out, they're all gonna live together. Like, who would ever pick that to be okay? You know, especially for the little girl, right? Like, how would that be fair to her? You're gonna bring a murderer straight out of prison and you know, it's just, but people didn't understand our conversations, how close we were, and that everything we did was truly in the best interest for each other and our family. And that's not with any great wisdom that, that I found on the streets or in prison. It's not in any great wisdom that she found in her drug addiction. It only comes from the wisdom you get from Jesus Christ of him showing you what to do, right? My tattoos are um, on the back of my, my head. I have a, a scapegoat. It's from the Day of Atonement. You have your, your lamb without blemish that was sacrificed for the sins of Israel. And then you had your, what they called the scapegoat, which all the sins would be placed on the goat and then sent outside of the camp. And I got the, the scapegoat on the back of my head because that's what I felt like, how I was being taken out of society and pretty much shunned to be removed to society because I wasn't fit to be in society. I have satanic tattoos all over my body. I've got a portrait of Anton LaVey, the founder of the Church of Satan, on my chest. All of them are completely satanic. I've never thought about having them removed. And the reason is, is when I was in Roswell, the penitentiary, I had a, this is after I'd already made Jesus Christ Lord of my life. He had walked up to me, he was a Satanist, and he was really excited to see me there. And he started talking about how we need to get the, the Church of Satan as a recognized religion in the penitentiary so we could have church services and rituals and get our uh, satanic Bibles in there and the ritual book and all this stuff. And I told him, I said, man, I'm not a, I'm not a Satanist. I follow Jesus Christ now. And I told him, you're on the losing side. <laughs> 
So I keep these tattoos as a testimony. And whenever anybody asks about them or what they are, then I get to tell them who Jesus is and what he did and what he's doing. I've been out of prison for seven years. And in this seven years, there's been so much growth with me spiritually, with my wife spiritually, with my kids spiritually. Um, it hasn't been perfect, but just the journey that we've gone, gone to since I've been out has just been amazing. No one would think that, you know, me getting out of, out of prison and even for so long, for how long I was in there and just where me and Whitney would be at today. And where we're at today is Whitney is, works at a place where she's highly respected and given promotions and she's doing a great job. God has done great things in her life. My, my daughter makes straight A's. I've never had any issue with her whatsoever. My son's a different story. You know, he's six and he's a terror, but, but really he's, a, and he's such a, a sweet kid. There's a lot of love in our house. There's a lot of, lot of hugs and a lot of I love yous in our house. And just to see what Jesus can actually do taking a broken man, a broken woman, fixing us and trusting us to raise these kids is amazing. And what we do today is we go to the juvenile detention center in Levington, New Mexico. And we talk to a lot of young men that are in very similar situations that I was in growing up. And what, what that really stems from is them being in a home that they didn't ask to be in. They're growing up in a household that is not after God's design for a marriage and a family. And that's where a lot of the problems stem from. They don't have dads in the house. You know, and like I said, a lot of them are going through the exact same things that I went through. So... Where better to go and tell people who Jesus is and what he can do? Because he did it for me. And he can do it for them. But they gotta know who he is for them to be able to put their trust into him. I see I see these young men on a weekly basis, and you can see the change in a lot of them from their, their writings, their conversation, the way they understand things, um, their desire to change. Nobody wants to be in that situation. Nobody wants to do those things. We do baptisms over there. We've seen young men, after being baptized, 
when new inmates come into the facility, they're telling them about Jesus Christ. And a lot of them are leading other ones, other guys to the Lord. A lot of these young men get out with the very best intentions of doing right. Just like I got out of rehab with the very best intentions of doing right. And they get thrown right back into the same environment that formed who they are right now with no guidance, no, not anything. Just going right back into the same environments. And a lot of them come back, you know? And uh, only thing I can tell them is just trust the, the good work that God began in them, you know? Don't let their slips and falls determine who they are. Because I allowed my slips and falls to allow me to get so deep and dark that I totally turned away from God, you know? So that's my encouragement for them as it is right now, is to just pro just trust that process of sanctification. It's not always gonna be pretty. There is hope in Jesus Christ. And that 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says anyone in Christ is a new creation. Old things has passed, new things has come. That means you don't have to stay that way. That means that when you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord, he will recreate you. You will be a new being. You will have new thoughts. You will have new desires. And there is hope. It goes on further in 21. It says that God made him to be sin that knew no sin so we could become the righteousness of God. And if you fully grasp and understand that Jesus Christ was treated like he lived my life, so God could turn around and treat me like I lived his life then you will understand what the love of God and Jesus Christ is and what it can do for your life and everybody's life.